0: Well with that said, we're gonna we're gonna move quickly into today's message. Uh we're wrapping up our current teaching series, Forgotten God, and I brought a friend of mine back, uh Mike Donahue's his name. Uh Mike Donahue speaks at over a hundred public schools across this nation, from the north to the south all the way from the East Coast to the West Coast, speaks to well over 100,000 students in our public schools every single day. God has a extreme call upon his life and a gift upon his life. Um, Mike, Mike has an initiative called Walk a Mile in My Shoes, um, basically, it kind of helps helping students. And I won't answer all the questions for, but just kind of basically going, you know, put yourself in the shoes of someone else and walk a mile in those shoes. You'll understand them. You'll understand where they're coming from. You'll be able to love them better. Um, he, he just has a powerful message that God's given him into our public schools. Mike is basically a missionary going into places where the government keeps telling us you can't go and you can't speak a message of hope. And Mike's going there constantly, day after day, week after week. And God's really Given him some great vision, some great passion to impact the next generation. We have Mike here with us to help us wrap up this Forgotten God series. So why don't you give it up for my friend Mike Donahue?
1: Yes, I do. Awesome. Okay, man. Before I talk to you, I have to talk to my wife because she's watching right now via um, satellite or what is it, internet? Hi. <laughs> Hi, honey, I haven't seen you in a week, and I miss you so much. I love you. And my kitty, we have two kitties. Well, we just got a new kitty while I was gone. She went and bought a cat while I was gone. That's all right. And he, I guess he's 18 pounds. He's like a huge, fat cat. So, yeah. Hi. How you guys doing? It's so weird not to have notes up here, like have a thing. But you know, we have notes right here. Look at that. So before we get started, I want to go ahead and open up in prayer. Is that okay? Sure. Let's do it. Hi, Sophia. By the way, I forgot my my daughter. Hi, Sophia. <laughs> you doing good? Good. Sat in my room. Okay. Um, let's pray. Heavenly Father, we just thank you for um, just how amazing you are, and how weak and frail we are. But you continue just to to use weak vessels. You continue to use people who don't deserve to be used. Um, but you delight in the fact that we come humbly and boldly to you and ask for your help. And that's what I'm asking for today. Um, I can't do what I want to do even today or in the schools or wherever without you. And and I need you. And I pray that today that you would speak to us um, loudly about how to supernaturally make a difference in this world. Amen. So. This morning's sermon is called "Death Therapy," and the reason I call it that is because—and um, I've never preached this sermon before. I've never used this title before, but I've always wanted to. Because, um, how many of you have ever watched the program or watched the show? What, what about Bob? You've seen that movie. What about Bob? Uh, it's an old movie with with um, Richard Dreyfuss in it and um, Bill Murray. But at the end, it's it's about this guy who's a little—he's kind of crazy, nutty guy he has got some issues. And the psychiatrist tries to help him out, but then he frustrates the psychiatrist, and the guy wants to kill him, okay, at the end. By the the time the movie's over, he wants to kill Bill Murray. So he actually ties Bill Murray up, and he's going to kill him, and he really is going to kill him. And Bill Murray thinks the guy's trying to help him, and he ends up uh, getting free from his ropes. And I love the line— because he gets free and he's not going to die. He's got bombs strapped to him. And, and so he takes the, uh, the bombs off and he goes, I'm free, I'm free. And then he walks up to Richard Drivers and he, and he says, um, "You know, death therapy killed me, you genius. And I remember watching that movie and I was laughing because it's a funny movie. But you know, death therapy cured me, you genius. And it got to me. I'm like, yeah, death therapy cured me. Death therapy cured me. I, I mean, I, I grew up in a, in a dysfunctional home. Um, my parents, when my dad left when I was five years old. My mom uh, was, really wasn't fit, you know, just fit to have children. There was a lot of uh, issues in her life, and, and I was alive to a lot of things in my life. I was alive to substance abuse. I was alive to surviving on my own. And, and the message that, that got to me when I was 19 years old, I was stationed off at Air Force Base in Nebraska, um, a really pretty girl asked me to go to church. I'm not going to lie. She was a very, very attractive young lady. God God works in mysterious ways. And so she comes up to me and she goes, do you want to go to church with me? And I was like, well, I would go to hell with you. I mean, like, you know, I would, I would join a cult. I mean, I'll drink the Kool-Aid. I'll do whatever you want because she was an attractive girl. Well, I get, I get to church, and, and, and it, I'm going to be honest with you. The, 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 the initial... Uh, Attraction was to go and to be uh, to be with this girl, and so when I got there, though, and I began to hear the message of the cross of Jesus Christ, I began to hear about dying to yourself and being alive to something else. And it wasn't this; it wasn't so much the death to something um, that really attracted me. It was the life to something that attracted me, because I knew I knew that a lot of the, the things that I was doing in my life was. Was survival. I was reaching for that bottom shelf to try to feel alive again because of all of the things that have happened in my life. Um, I wanted to feel alive. And, and I don't know, and I had some confidence in my flesh. I'm gonna be honest with you. I, I had confidence in who I was. Um, there's a difference, though, between being cocky and being confident. You know, I, 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 look at, I look at Jeff. When I first met Jeff, I didn't like Jeff because Jeff, Jeff's cocky, right? I mean, am I right? Raise your hand if I'm right. You know, you know, thank you. Right. You look at him; he's like a lumberjack. He's like he's he's he's, he's beautiful. He's a beautiful man. He's he's, he's you know he's, he's 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 a specimen of, of he's just a good, he's a great guy. He's well he's well spoken. He's smart. He's a good guy. You know. So when I first met him, I was intimidated by him because because he you know he's got this he's got this confidence confidence about him. But what I what I quickly figured out about Jeff is that Jeff is not cocky. He's, he's confident in who he is. He, he knows that God loves him. I do too. I do. I could blow this today. okay? I could t- completely blow this sermon and, and drive out of town. I'd be okay. I'd be okay. <laughs> that sounds bad. But I'd be okay because I know God loves me. I know God loves me. My wife knows she's a good cook. She has so much confidence. My wife is an unbelievably good cook. Like, I've never met anybody this good. My, my daughter said the other day, she said, Dad, it's like when, when she cooks, it's like it's like all your problems go away. Like, like I don't know if it's that, like, but, but it's so good. Because she, she has confidence because she's really good at that. She's really is good at that. I, I'm, again, I'm, I'm, a, I'm a good communicator. I know I am. I can walk up, you know, I could be in a room full of nuns, and by the time I'm done, those nuns are going to love me. I, 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 I know that, right? But... But there's a certain, but, but that doesn't get me to sleep at night because there's a certain confidence that, that I can have in my flesh, but, it, but it, doesn't, it doesn't give me soul confidence. It doesn't give me the confidence um, to go to sleep at night. The confidence to go to sleep at night is knowing that you're loved and knowing that, that you have this incredible power. You, you have God inside of you. That's different than being talented or being skilled. It's, it's, that, it's that innate like thing I know inside that I know, that I know, that I know that, that, I, that I'm okay. Let's look at that first scripture. Philippians 3. 3 I'm going to read these out real fast, but um, 3, 3 and 9. For it, is, for it is we who are the circumcision, we who serve God by his spirit, who boast in Christ Jesus, and who put no confidence in the flesh. Say no confidence. No confidence, no confidence in the flesh, though I myself have reasons, and, and, and Paul goes into his reasons, for such confidence. If, if someone else thinks they have, they have reasons to put confidence in the flesh, I have more. Circumcised on the eighth day of the, the people of Israel, of the tribe of Benjamin, a Hebrew of Hebrews, in regard to the law, a Pharisee. As for zeal, persecuting the church. As for righteousness, based on the law, faultless. He was faultless when it came to that. But whatever were gains to me, I now consider loss for the sake of Christ. you got to back up one more. I, I didn't get down here. Sorry. <laughs> Christ. What is more, I consider everything I lost because... Now you can go. Of the surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus my Lord, for whose sake I have lost all things, I consider them garbage, that I may gain Christ and be found in him, not having a righteousness of of my own that comes from the law, but that which is through faith in Christ, the righteousness that comes from God on the basis of faith. So Paul's basically saying, I'm not gonna put confidence in my flesh, but there's gotta be a, a, a death to my flesh in order to be life from my, you know, to, to walk in God's life, to walk in this, this power that goes beyond what I, what I have as a human. Let's go to the next scripture. 2 Corinthians 4, 7 through 12. But we have this treasure in jars of clay to, sh- to show this all-surpassing power is from God. Let me back up. But we have this, surpass, we have this treasure, this treasure of, of, of God's power, this supernatural life that God wants to give us, but it's in a jar of clay. It's in a frail, Jar of clay. Mike Donahue is a jar of clay. Like I I have frailties that, you know, that I could go into some of it. I'm probably not going to, but 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 I have frailties. We all have frailties. We all have things that keep us back from from, from this um, this surpassing knowledge. But basically it says that we have in the middle of this jar of clay, there's this treasure. There's this supernatural power, there's this ability to know God, there's this ability to, to walk in God's truth, and to proclaim God's truth, but it's in this jar of clay. To show that all it, and, and, and God did this to show that the power is from God, not from you, and not from us. We are hard pressed on every side, but not crushed, perplexed but not in despair, persecuted but not abandoned, struck down but not destroyed, and I love this verse. We always carry around in our body the death of Jesus. Why? so that the life of Jesus may also be revealed in our body. Let me, before you go to the next one, hold on. Go back to 10. We always carry around in our body the death of Jesus. We always carry around in our body the death of Jesus. The knowledge that, that if, I, if I'm alive to my flesh, if I let my flesh and I let my confidence be that, 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 that that's gonna, in the long run, really ruin my life. But if I have this... I have this confidence th- with the fact that that I carry around in my body the death of Jesus. That that I that I'm a con- I'm conscious that 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 His death, and, and, and my flesh dying on that cross with Him, is going to bring life. And that's that's a whole that's a, so that the life of Jesus may be revealed in our bodies. And go to the next slide. For we who are alive are always being given over to death for Jesus' sake, so that His life, so His life, whose life? may also be revealed in our mortal body. So then death is at work in us, but life is at work in you. So we're always walking around going, you know what? How many of you this week sinned? Raise your hand. Isn't it great that you are not going? You didn't raise your hand? You didn't almost. <laughs> you sinned right now by lying. Just kidding. Um. <laughs> we, 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 we have that knowledge that we sin. Your hands went up really fast. You didn't have to think about it. You didn't go, did I? You sinned. Somebody, how many of you sinned on the way to church today? Okay. What, what did you do? <laughs> did you stop by a strip bar on the way? Stop it. <laughs> no, but, but what, 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 we, 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 are, we are very aware of our sin. And, and that's okay as long as you're aware of the life that comes with that. As long as you're going, you know what? It's the death of Jesus. Yes, I'm a sinner. But it's that life of Jesus. It's that when I acknowledge that Jesus Christ is my Savior, that's when the supernatural stuff starts to come. Let's go to the next slide. So death therapy. A dead church has a revelation of God's love. A dead church has a revelation of God's love. Let's go to the next scripture. Romans 8, 38, 39. I love this. For I am convinced. Say convinced. Convinced. For I am convinced. Paul says, I'm convinced. I'm not thinking about it. I'm not hoping. I'm not wondering. I'm not like they think so. I'm convinced that neither death nor life, neither angels nor demons, neither the present nor the future, nor any powers, neither height or depth, nor anything else. So there's anything else. If you, if, if, I mean, all that, you know, so, but then anything else. In all creation, will be able to separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus our Lord. Do you know that? Are you convinced? Because I'm going to tell you something right now. If you're not convinced that you're loved, you're in trouble. You're in trouble. If you're not convinced that you're loved, no matter what, that's when you get religious and you get weird. Churches get weird when they, when they follow rules, but they don't know the, 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 the real power of those rules. Amen? They get weird. Churches get religious. They get judgmental. They get, they get weird when you don't know how loved you are. I'm convinced. I speak in public schools like Jeff said. I'm convinced more than, more than any time in my life that that is the issue in public schools. We don't have a drug problem. We don't have a bullying problem. or all the, I can name all the sins and all the things that you read in the paper that that is going on in our public schools, and, and we can call those problems, but that's not the issue. The issue is Value. If you're valued and you're loved, you, you act different. You act different. You, you, you treat yourself better. You don't abuse yourself with drugs and alcohol. You don't abuse yourself with, with illicit living and, and craziness. You, you don't abuse yourself when you know you're loved. I think it's a waste of time to go into schools and tell kids that they shouldn't bully other kids or they, or they, you know, they, they need to value other kids when they don't value themselves. That's the issue that's going on in our schools, by the way, is that the, the value that, that, that people hold themselves at is, is down here. When you don't value yourself, I, I'm, I might have said this last time I was here, but I remember when I was in Bellevue as a youth pastor, a girl walked into my office and she said, there was a bunch of, bunch of us in the office, there was a college girl, and she walked in and she said, she was I know that the guy that I'm dating, that I'm, I'm basically she goes, I wish, um, let me back up. She said, why do, I always, why do I always get used? Why, why, why do men, you know, why do I always attract the bad guys? She said, why do I always attract bad men? She had a string of boyfriends, like two or three boyfriends in a row that used her. So all my friends are trying to give her advice, and they say, no, it's not you, you know, guys are jerks, and you know, da-da-da, all this stuff. And then she looked at me, and I said, no, it's you. <laughs> and she said, you don't even know me. I said, I don't need to know you to answer that question. You attract what you respect. If you value who you are, you automatically attract people who are gonna value and respect you. But if you don't value who you are, you automatically attract people who are going to use you. Raise your hand if that makes any sense to you. So the answer is not getting the right boyfriend, the right girlfriend, the right church, the right, the right environment. The answer is you have a revelation that God really loves you. You have a revelation that no matter what you've done in your life, you 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 are loved no matter what. You were just as loved on your best day, your best day and your worst day. There was no difference the way God loved you. Think about your worst day. Think about the things you've done that you just would not want anybody to know. Did God love you any less on those days? If you don't know that, that he loved you just as much, then, then you have a little issue. You have an issue. You, you've got to know that. You've got to know how much he loves you. I have a, my daughter, who's, uh, she's, six, she's sixteen. Her name is Brianna. She's she is unbelievable. Like she, uh, my kids are all awesome. I love my kids, but my daughter Brianna is um, is just when she was a little girl, she would sit in my lap. And you know, one day we were sitting there watching the Sports Center, and she was sitting there, and she wanted my attention. She was four, something like that. So instead of like saying, "Hey, Dad, can we talk?" she just goes, "Bam!" right across my face, like just <laughs> as hard as she can. Right? I mean, it hurt. It's not supposed to hurt. She's four, right? But it hurt. So I said, Brianna, don't, don't hit daddy. And she, you know, she's like, okay. <laughs> and, I, and I'm watching, I'm one of those guys that can watch anything on ESPN, you know what I mean? It could be the girls who weightlifting team, and I'd be like, go Helga, go, you know, whatever. <laughs> and so I'm, I'm watching TV, and she, so next thing I know, all of a sudden, she's, she hits me again, she's like, bam! I'm like, oh. I go, Brianna, don't hit, you know why she could hit me? And, and not, not even think about, like, she, when she smashed me, she didn't go, oh, dad, don't hit me. She was just like, bam! Because she knows I love her. She knows I, she knows she's loved. When you know you're loved, you do you take risks. It's the people who live in a real, there's a small box up here, you can't see it, but there's a small box. It's, I can stand in this little box, right? When people don't know they're loved, they don't take risks. They don't take risks. They stay close. They stay right here and they go, you know what, I'm, I, I'm afraid if I go out like this, then I'm going to, I'm going to get fear of failure, fear of, fear of disappointing God. You can't disappoint God. You can't. He, he absolutely loves you. Let's go to that scripture. Next one. Ephesians three sixteen through 19 I pray that out of his glorious riches he may strengthen you with power through his spirit, his spirit in your inner being so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. And I pray that you, being rooted and established, rooted and established in love not i think so not kinda but rooted and established in love i have people in the church come up to me and they go well i don't you know i don't i don't know if god really loves me i don't feel like god loves me my point at the very beginning was you need to have a revelation of god's love because if you listen so i say to those people this is what i say back to them i say oh so you prayed about it and god told you he doesn't love you well no Oh, well then why did you figure that out that God doesn't love you? Well, I don't know, I just don't feel like it. So my thing is this, so you were praying about it and God was like, I'm glad you're praying today because I was gonna tell you something. I really don't love you. You know. <laughs> I'm glad you're here, you know, because, because you know, I, was, I was trying to give you a revelation that I'm, you're not really loved. It's never that way. What is it? It's, it's we walk around, and we're not connecting with God, we're going by our feelings, we're hanging out at a church, we, somebody looks at us the bad way, you know, the wrong way, and so we get this weird feeling like, oh, I'm, I'm not loved, I'm not valued. We, we go through midlife crisis, so we go through things, and, and, and we, we don't feel loved. But have you prayed about it? Are you, are you praying about it? Because when you pray about it, I've never met anybody that went, I had, like I said, I had a quiet time today, and it was so good, but God basically told me I'm not worth much. But, but I'm going back. I'm going to pray again. You know, When I walk out of my prayer times, I always walk out going, oh, man, why don't I do that more? Why don't I pray more? Because every time, how many of you like that? You, when you get a quiet time, you get some time in the Bible, and you, and you have that time with you and God, and it's kind of cool. Raise your hand if you've ever walked out of there going, I should do this some more. Yeah. It's never, oh, that was a waste of time. It was, it's, it's always, wow, why don't I do this more? Because, because it's that connection with God, and, he's, and he's, what is he doing? The Holy Spirit is saying, he's whispering, I love you, I love you, I love you. He's not giving us a spirit of fear, but of power, love, and a sound mind. That's, that's when he's connecting that stuff to us is when we're spending time with him. Rooted and established in love, may ha- you may have the power together with all the Lord's holy people to grasp how wide and how long and how high and deep is the love of Christ and to know this love that surpasses knowledge, that you may be filled to the measure of all the fullness of God, to all the fullness of God. That's what we want. Amen. Amen. Let's go to the next slide. Philippians, I want to know Christ to know the, to, yes, to know the power of his resurrection and participation in his sufferings becoming like him in his death, and so somehow attaining to the resurrection from the dead. I want to know Christ in the power. And Paul said, "I want to know Him. I want to know Him in the power of His resurrection and the knowledge of His suffering." When you know God in the power of His resurrection, weird things happen. I was telling Jeff today, something happened to me a couple years ago as a youth pastor in, in Rockford, Illinois, and I was asked to take seventy-five young people down to McAllen, Texas, to do. A, uh, basically, we were doing an amphitheater. It was a, it was a, uh, it was Easter, so we were doing this passion play for Christ, and we were the participants. We were the actors. They asked us to come down and fill in. Some of us were Roman soldiers. Some of us were, you know, Mary Mag. It was all the different parts, and so they had a, a resurrection scene. They had a Pontius Pilate scene, and then they had a, um, a crucifixion scene. So it was like we were all the players. It was like 150, 200 cast members, and so it was awesome. So the pastor came to me that morning, and he said, and it was all outside, and he said, hey, it's going to rain today. And, um, and so they're forecasting rain. For, it was Good Friday, and it was their big night. This is the big night, right? He's like, Good Friday, you know, would you pray that, that it doesn't rain? So we took all our team out, 75 kids out in the parking lot, and we just, that, we spent like an hour just walking and pacing and praying and praying, God, don't let it rain. Well, it rained, right? And I kind of knew it was going to rain, and my, my gut, it was like, like again, resurrection power. When, 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 you're, when you have a supernatural relationship with God, he, begin, he talks to you, he, he whispers things. And I felt like God was saying to me, I could, kept seeing us out doing, taking a little bit of a fragment of what we were doing and taking out into the streets. Because this is my heart, it's always been my heart, that I love church stuff, I love Sunday morning, this is awesome. But what about those people that are, that are dying right now? You know, that are just, they're not gonna come to church. They're not gonna come to a passion play they're just not. And, I, and I, I just have a heart for that. So I kept praying, I kept praying, I felt like God was saying, you know, something's got, so it rained, so that what they did was they brought all the people that were in the cast, and they brought us into the church, and they said, we're going to worship God and just pray and see what God does. So as I'm praying, I kept feeling God say, take your team out and do something. So I went to the youth pastor, I said, you don't know me really well, but I just want to take my kids out, someone do something. He's like, well, I don't think that's a good idea. Da, da, da. I said, okay, so I went back, and you know, I'm under his authority. It's his church, so I'm praying, and I felt like God was just like hammering me, like, like again, that Holy Spirit, that resurrection, that 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 push. It's not normal. It's not. It doesn't look good on paper. It looks better just to sit there in the church and do the right thing. But but it felt. But it, but it's one of those things when you, when you know you're loved and you know God's spirit's there. He's knocking. You know. And so I went, okay. I went up to him. I said, listen, you don't know me, but I, 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 I'm going to do this. <laughs> so he goes, okay, I'll give you an intern. So he gave me some intern with a van. I took my guys. I took like 12 of my guys, and they were college-age guys because they're my leaders. And we, we practiced this skit called This Blood is for You. It's an old cheesy skit from Carmen. It's just cheese ball, okay? It's like it's the worst. But, but, but it's powerful because it's a simple message that Jesus Christ's blood he died, for you. you're, he, he died for you in the worst place. So we took that thing out and we're driving down the road. And I said to the, I, I said to the, the intern, I said, I want to go to a bar and do this. And he's like, you're crazy. I'm like, yeah, you, you, you have no idea. <laughs> like, um, <laughs> but I'm like, do you, what do you think? He's like, well, the most happening bar here in town is, is a gay bar. You don't want to go there. I go, yeah, let's go there he's like, y- you're really crazy, you know. So we get down there, and he goes, you're never going to get in. And I get, so, so let me get, paint this picture for you. I got like 12 college and career people in my, and some of these people have grown up in church. They're deacons' kids. They're pastors' kids. They're good little Christian soldiers for Christ, you know. And, and I'm taking them to a gay bar, okay. And so if their parents only knew, you know. so, so. <laughs> I'm going to pray for you, youth pastor. So, so we, we get there, and we park the van out. I walk in. I t- so we walk in, and yeah, it's a pretty crazy place. As soon as I walked in, the dance floor is right there, and I could see what was going on. And, and it was just it was, it was debauchery. I mean, it was just people doing what they want. So I said to the manager, I said, listen, I kind of fed a little bit. I said, we're, we're, a, we're a traveling drama team, <laughs> Tonight we were, you know. So I said, we, we, we want to do this skit. It's Good Friday. And I, what I'm about to tell you, some of you in this room are going to think that I'm making this up, okay, but I'm really not. I said, we're, dra- we're a traveling team, and we want to do this skit. And I thought the guy was going to shut me down. He said, well, he goes, we have a drag show at 1230. You guys can be the third act. I don't even really know what a drag show is, but it's, I go, we're not taking our clothes off. He goes, no, no, no. He goes, you "No." Know, he said, but, but, Yeah, we have guys. So these men dressed as women are going to come up and do a show. You guys can be the third act. So I'm walking back to the van going, God, is this you? Like, am I, like, going to get fired and, like, killed and everything? But I walk back into the van and I go, hey, guys, we're the third act of a drag show. And even people that didn't speak in tongues were speaking in tongues. Like, they were, oh my, like, they were like, they got pretty, so, so we, but the guy gave us two rules. He said, you can, you can, you have to be in the dressing room the whole time until you go out and then you have to leave as soon as it's over. So it's okay. So we get there and I'm gonna tell you something. We got in the room with the two transvestites before we, we, we went out. Those two guys were nicer to us than some of the people at church that we were staying at. They were nice people. See, I don't like that when we do that. I don't like when we go, you know, transvestite bad, church people good. Sometimes church people can be bad, amen? And transvestites can be good. I'm not saying they're, what they're doing is good. I'm saying that, 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 that there's confusion, that they're good people. That God loves them, amen? amen. Loves them. So we're talking, hanging out with them, and, and we told them what we're doing. We're down here doing church stuff, and they weren't going. You are. They were like, "Oh, that's great. That's awesome," and all this stuff. Well, then we get out to go do our thing. I'm going to paint the picture again. Dance floor's right here. I'm up on the. I'm up. I'm. Well, before we got there, I brought my team down, and they, the people in the bar, were not watching the shows. They weren't watching. They were back at their at their uh, tables, getting drunk, getting ready to go back on the dance floor. But so then, so these guys came down, my guys came down, and we prayed, right? We got in a huddle, and I said, okay, listen, this could be a bad day. This could be bad. I mean, this doesn't. This isn't church. Like, if we came here to do a skit, I wouldn't have to pray that. I wouldn't have to say, hey, listen, Carney, New Life, they may stone you out of here, right? <laughs> like, if you did, that would be really bad, right? Although he might, but, um, <laughs> but, but... but, but it, it was it was one of those moments where you like, okay, God, you're either gonna show up, or this is gonna be a. We gotta live like that more, amen. We gotta live like that. God, you're either gonna show up, or I'm gonna look like an absolute idiot right now. So I said to them, I go, listen, if it gets bad and they start throwing bottles at you, I go, you protect the girls, fellas. Look at me. Don't get all Christian. All right, take care of business. Get out of here. Don't let anybody get hurt. And then we'll pray for forgiveness later, but, we, but don't, don't get out of here. You know what I mean? And so they're all they're like looking at me like, oh, my gosh. And so, <laughs> so we get up. So this is a true story. So I get up on top of the, the dance floor is right here, and I'm on the sound booth. I'm the only one that's not in it from our team. I'm just up there with the music. So they, they put the music on. As soon as the music started, they dragged Jesus out onto the dance floor. And I'll tell you something. I've been in church for 30 years, I've been in churches, and I've, I've been, worked for televangelists. I've, I've been in powerful Holy Spirit meetings. I'm in a gay bar right now in McAllen, Texas, and the Spirit of God hit that room so hard. It was amazing. I mean, it was amazing. I felt, I, it was goosebumps. When they started dragging Jesus out, and then they, those kids got up there, and they were looking at those people in the eyes, and they were saying, this blood is for you. People were, they weren't rejecting it. They weren't running out of the building you know what they were doing? They were moving tables and chairs. They were crashing them up against the, the, uh, the, the dance floor so they could stand up and see what was going on. And my friend, I have a friend of mine who's now a pastor up in Rockford, Illinois. He said that Mike, when he was praying, because he went down like this, on his knee like this, to pray because he was, he was a, uh, one of the soldiers that was crucifying Christ in the play. And he had a minute and a half We had to just go like this. He said he was praying. He said there's two reasons why you guys, God spoke to him. Two reasons you guys are here today. There are people that are just getting into this lifestyle, that that, that need a little jolt. But the but the second one, the second reason, was re- really got to me, because there are backslidden Christians in this room that need to know my love will chase them anywhere they go. There are backslidden Christians in this room that need to know that you can go as far as the way you want from God. You can think you are like as vile as you as, as you you want to be. But God sends Mike Donahue and his team into OBK Be Bar to, to show you, hey, one more time, get, guess what? You can't get away from me. You can't get away from me. I love you. Isn't that an amazing God? Well, this gets better. So we get done and people don't move. They just, they're clapping and they just, they don't move. And the manager looks to me and he goes, do you guys have anything else? And we didn't. He goes, this was amazing. And he hugs me and he's like—he's like he's like, you know, you guys can go drink. Have you know? You can stay here. I, I said, well, I said, I'll drink, but they can't. No, I said, I said, <laughs> I said no, we don't, need, we don't need to drink. But can we go talk to people? And he's like, absolutely. So we went down. and We just spread out. And I told my guys because they didn't know what to do either. They were on the floor. I told them get out as soon as it's over. They didn't get out. They just stayed there because they could feel it. They could feel God's love in that place. And we went around and we talked to so many people that night. Led them to Christ. Prayed with them. Hugged them story after story after story of people who who wanted you know they, they they wanted to know that they loved that god loves them amen okay this one more thing gets a little better so i'm getting ready to leave and this guy grabs my my hand my arm and he goes can i talk to you for a minute i said yeah he goes you don't know me but he goes i go to x church or some church in town he goes at eight o'clock we had a prayer meeting tonight and me and this person this girl we're praying, and we felt like God told us to come to this place. And we've been here since 8 o'clock tonight, walking through here praying. We had no idea why. God sent a prayer team before we even got there. See, if you do evangelism the way you're supposed to, like on paper, you're never going to have any fun. I have a story that I'll tell in, my, in the nursing home. I'll gather around the old people when I'm older, and I'll be telling this gay bar story. Because, you know what I'm saying? Mrs. Johnson, take out your teeth. I'm going to tell you a story. You know what I'm like it, for the rest of my life, I'm going to be doing that because 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 God loves to have fun with us. He loves to get out of church mentality and get into what it's all about. Amen. Next slide. A dead church loves sinners, and that goes my point. Let's read this, this scripture. He has made everything beautiful in his time. He has also set eternity in the human heart. Can I just give you some some advice? God set eternity in the human heart. You don't have to invent God for people. Don't invent God. Don't invent God. When you're witnessing and you're trying to help people understand Christ, do you understand that they already think about God all the time? You don't have to invent God. Join God. Join God in what he's doing in people's lives. Don't invent God. Don't try to invent the gospel in people's lives. Don't try to be convincing. Sometimes Christians, we like to, like, defend God. You know, all this sin going on in the the world, we have to defend him. No, we don't. I was sat with this girl for an hour in, in Glenwood, Iowa. And it was, I did get done doing the school. I'm talking to her and she, she cute kid, volleyball, uh, bat, softball player, stud athlete, just a great girl sitting there next to me. And she's talking and she's telling me that she is a lesbian. And, and she's the whole time she's saying, you know, all that she, this is what she is. And she knows it. And going that way, and I did not say anything. I'm just listening, 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 talking, and, and she knew I was a pastor, you know. And so she's just talking, and 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 I and I, and she had these pauses, like, "Aren't you going to jump me now? Aren't you going to tell me I'm going to hell? Aren't you gonna? Aren't you gonna jump me? Aren't you gonna? You know? Aren't you gonna? You know? Take your your Bible and, you know, and 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 it was it was these weird pauses, like, and I didn't. I just sat there and kept listening, asking questions, and. And towards the end, I said, and we were getting ready to leave, and, and she was completely now vulnerable and telling me all this stuff. And I, I said, Rochelle, see, I'm, the whole time I'm praying, I'm like, God, what are you doing with her? See, if I, if I come from the perspective of, God, what does the church say about, about her? You know, what, 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 what am I supposed to say? Because you know, if, if I was supposed to say something, then I guess I, I could be going through the scripts of, you know, of, 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 of you know, homosexuality and the scriptures and all this stuff. And, 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 I'm, and in my head, I'm going, God, what are, you, what are you trying to say to Rochelle? So I just looked at Rochelle, and I said, Rochelle, do you really like girls? Or do you just hate boys? Because you've been hurt a lot by men. <laughs> just lost it prayed with her, got her to go to my youth group, watched some transformation things happen in her life. Why? Because, because if, if I came at it with a, what I'm supposed to say, see, that's, that's, the, that's the supernatural church. A natural church just does what they're supposed to do. Reads the scripts. But a supernatural church stops and goes, God, what are you doing? He's put eternity in the human heart. This eternity in her. She's already thinking about God. She's already wondering what her life is about. So get on track with what God's doing. But it takes a lot of listening. It takes a lot of, okay, slow down. I don't need to defend God. I just need to listen. Amen? Next Next slide. Uh, Body life is different in a dead church. Body life is different in a dead church. I, Jeff was telling me something about your church that you had a, a speaker here in the last year, that the young man was selling his body on Craigslist, and and then he came. In, do you guys remember that? He came here. What you know if you remember that? Um, I just. Think that, first of all, can I just tell you? And I have I have tremendous amount of respect for Jeff, anyways, but but that's amazing because that's a gutsy move to to pull someone in like that in a in a church. And the is of God Church—that's that's a gutsy move, and and you know that that just makes me so happy because body life is different in a dead church. People are going to embarrass you. There are going to be people in this church that are going to embarrass you that they go here. I used to used to crack me up when I was a youth pastor. All the places I've been. They would get so mad because we brought kids in that was smoking cigarettes, right? So kids would come in, not in the church, but, you know, putting it out on the altar, you know. But I'm talking about, like, out in front of the church, they, w- they would smoke cigarettes. And I would, I would be called into meetings from, from my bosses that would say, you know, we can't have this in the church. Really? Like, really? <laughs> yeah, they're embarrassed. They're embarrassed. People drive by and see the kids smoking. What if there's a guy driving by the smoking that sees somebody smoking? You know what I mean? Wow. Like, why wouldn't they be allowed in our church? Why, why, why? There's going to be people that are going to embarrass you. But they need your body. They need love. They need you to love them unconditionally. They need you to, to, to look them in the eyes and be like, you know what? I don't care how, how messed up you get. I love you. You know what's so tragic to me is all these pastors that are falling to you know, pornography and, and, and different lusts of the flesh and money issues and blah, all these people that are falling. And you know what the, the bottom line is, for me at least, is I go, they had nobody to talk to when it was a little sin. It was a big sin, because now I'm in the paper now I'm, you know, now, now, now it's a tragedy. Now I'm being booted from my church. But when it was a little sin, could I have gone to my best friend and said, I'm struggling with pornography? A pastor, I'm not talking about you, but you too. Who can you go to and confess your sin one to another? Go and put that scripture on. Therefore, confess your sins to each other and pray for each other so that you may be healed. There's a healing that takes place in a dead church. There's a healing that takes place when we're not alive to our, our, our egos and our, and our, you know, we have to have a certain, we have to look a certain way. You know, I, I never liked that. When I worked for a Christian school, I didn't like that, that, they, that the bottom line was righteousness. but it, be, Kids had to act a certain way, so kids never got to be themselves. So there was, was always this sin under, under the ground, like under, under the table. We couldn't, you know, you, you, it, it, was, it was under. You couldn't see it. I want to see the sin in my youth group. I want to see the sin in my church. I want to be able for you to come to me and say, you know what, I'm struggling with this, and I'm not gonna be running away from you as fast as I can, I'm gonna be saying, you know what? You can come here, you can come here. This is a place for you to come. You're still struggling, you're processing, yeah, you may be processing for the rest of your life, but you know what, you can come here, you're loved here. You're not, you you don't have to clean it up to come here. You don't have to clean it up to come here. And and God forbid, Carney, if, if that's the case, and I know it's not, I know it's not his heart, but, but it can't be like that. The world's getting dirtier. It's not getting cleaner. Amen? It's getting dirtier. It's getting dirty. It's getting nasty. It's getting ugly out there. I, I walk down those public schools and I, those hallways, and it's getting uglier. Open your doors, and they're going to embarrass you. And it's going to be tough sometimes to love them. But a supernatural church loves them no matter what. Amen? Amen. I love you, honey. I miss you so much. (laughs) Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we want to be dead. We want to be dead. I want to die. I want to die to old ways of doing things. I want to die to scripts. I want to be alive in Christ. I carry around in my body the death of Jesus, that the life of Jesus may be in me. Father, I, I pray for this church, and I pray that that you by your Holy Spirit would challenge people today. And and the big one that keeps hitting me is that supernaturally they know they're loved. Not intellectually, not not doctrinally, but supernaturally they know they're loved. Supernaturally today there's people in this church that need to know that no matter where they go, no matter what they've done, whether it's a big sin or whatever, or a little sin, They need to know they're loved. I pray for that revelation, God. A revelation that they know that they are loved. Amen.